0: Welcome to our exchanges at Goldman Sachs markets update for Friday, August seventh. Each week, we check in with a leader across the firm to get his or her quick take on what they're watching in markets. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. And today's guest is Olympia McNerney, a member of the Equity Capital Markets and Alternative Capital Markets Group in New York. Today, we'll be talking about a subject that's been much in the news, SPACs, and the flurry of interest we've seen recently in that vehicle. Olympia, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So let's start with a basic definitional issue. What is a SPAC and why are they all of a sudden on the rise?
1: Yeah, of course. I think this is a term that has changed in perception a lot over the years. To level set, a SPAC stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Corp. And what that means is that effectively, we raise capital for this SPAC. And it's a pool of capital that can be used to purchase a stake in a company and bring it public through a merger. I say it's changed a lot over the years. It used to be something that was viewed as a method of last resort for companies. And fast forward to today, SPACs, and I'll get into more detail, have been increasingly popular in terms of an alternate way to bring companies into the public markets.
0: Okay, so why exactly are SPACs getting so much attention right now? And why are they seeing so much capital flow into them?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So let me just give you a little bit of context. Right now, there are about 100 plus SPACs that are on the hunt for acquisitions. And to frame that in terms of dollars, that's about $30 billion of capital on the hunt to bring companies into the public markets. SPACs typically have a little bit of a ratio, a leverage ratio in terms of how much capital they have relative to the size of the company that they buy. So that $30 billion, think of it as probably $150 billion of market cap that SPACs are on the hunt for. So a very, very large number. So you might ask, you know, what's driving that? Why is that number so big? Are these companies going to be, are these SPACs going to be successful? And I think what's really, really important to highlight and think about is that the profile of SPACs is really, really changing, not just over the last two, three years, but we're seeing it even over the last six to 12 months that the types of sponsors is really high grading. The other reason why I think SPACs are getting a lot of attention, are twofold, one, I think people are getting more and more comfortable with the economics of how the SPAC works. We can talk in a lot of detail around the promote, the warrants, all the kind of structural bells and whistles. But what I would say kind of at a high level today is that SPAC economics are becoming more friendly, more friendly for companies that are considering merging with SPACs and more friendly for investors. So the fact that they are willing to tweak the promote has made the structure much more company and shareholder friendly. The last thing I would say is that I think it's just become one more tool in the toolkit for companies thinking about ways to get public or sponsors that are thinking about how to monetize assets. And just like IPOs and direct listings, there are pros and cons of the stack. And in particular, I think the things that really stand out are a potentially faster timeline to the IPO market, potentially more certainty around value at a sooner point than an IPO, and potentially more proceeds than an IPO could deliver. You know, there are big ifs to all of those, but we're at a moment in time where the combination of a much higher quality group of SPAC sponsors and a potential set of solutions to a company is making this product get a lot of attention right now.
0: Okay, let's dive a little bit deeper on the pros and cons as you outlined. What's a general example of when a SPAC might be a good route for a company to raise money in the public markets? I mean, you mentioned some of the benefits already. And on the flip side, when might a more traditional IPO make more sense?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And we're asked that all day long, every day. What I would say is that great companies are going to have a lot of options And when we think about SPACs, we're always thinking about it with the lens of, should this company belong in the public market? So that to me is starting point number one, is an IPO even on the table. I think there are kind of two buckets of companies that make a SPAC Applicable. The first bucket is what I would call a very high growth company that's got a long term story that would benefit from some of the SPAC marketing. And so, what I mean by that is the SPAC marketing is different than your traditional seven to nine day IPO process. It, it really is a multi month marketing period and it uses forward projections in a proxy, which we're not able to do in an IPO S1. And so, that is certainly beneficial for stories that are longer dated. And where investors really, frankly, may require more diligence to get their arms around that longer-term market opportunity, whether it be the TAM, whether it be the company's market share, whether it be the company's technology, et cetera. And so we're certainly seeing that right now with the proliferation of electric vehicle companies that are coming public through SPACs. So that's certainly one bucket. The other bucket I would say that has been very successful with SPACs has been our more traditional whether it be industrial, consumer, healthcare-oriented business, that is free cash flowing and that does have a story that investors can get their arms around in the near term. But where a SPAC might offer something slightly different than an IPO, and that's typically in the amount of proceeds that we can raise. And so to give a little bit more detail on that, when we think about a successful transaction for a SPAC, we always include a pipe raise in that transaction. It's the validation that we require before we announce a merger publicly that investors like the deal and they like the valuation. And so you've got a SPAC that's got cash and trust and we bring a pipe to the table and all of a sudden we're able to deliver meaningfully more proceeds to a company than what might be available in an IPO. And so for that reason, if there's a company that perhaps is over leveraged, a SPAC might bring that monetization or that public event forward. Or in the instance where a company may need its primary proceeds and a shareholder may want some incremental secondary, there's a chance that a SPAC can deliver more proceeds than an IPO. So those are kind of two buckets that I would say are very good general examples of what is working in SPACs. And the types of companies that are using SPACs right now versus a traditional IPO. To answer the last part of your question, the IPO in our minds is always, you know, a fantastic, fantastic option for companies that want to get public. And so it's really back down to this kind of decision set of, is there anything that the SPAC is bringing in terms of, is it value from the founder? Is there a halo from the founder? is it this marketing point? Is it this size and use of proceeds point that on the margin may benefit the company? But I always come back to the starting point that whether it's a SPAC or not, it's got to be a great company that we think can get into
0: the public markets. All right. That's super helpful, Olympia. So you're talking to a lot of clients. You said dialogue, super active. What do clients think about the outlook for SPACs through the rest of the year? And do we think this is a trend that will continue even when markets are a little less volatile?
1: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of debate around the outlook. Is this a bubble? Is this a longer term phenomenon? I would separate the outlook into two buckets. So one, just the outlook in terms of SPAC issuance, it's going to be incredibly busy. I think across the street, there's a very large pipeline of incredibly high quality sponsors that are lining up to issue SPACs who see the opportunity set and really believe in their ability to source companies and opportunities for their SPAC. So very busy issuance outlook. In terms of will this trend of successful business combinations continue? My view is that I think with this change in the quality of the sponsors that are out there, I do think that we are going to see a continued strong pace of business combinations with SPACs. You know, I think companies are evaluating their options and having more options for these companies is a good thing. And I think there's just a backlog of companies that have been waiting and trying to get to the public markets. And so having one more tool to get them out there will help continue the pace that we've seen of business combinations. So my view is that it's going to continue. Obviously, we need to see that deals are working and continue to trade well. If we have any kind of hiccup in the reception of these transactions, I think it will be a problem. But overall, I think one of the most important things in the maturation of this market is the fact that institutional investors today are embracing the product in a way that they haven't historically. Our phones have been ringing off the hook from investors who want to understand how does the process work? How does the structure work? And what are the types of companies that belong? And I think the fact that we've got real institutions that are now looking at it, embracing it, and buying these vehicles and buying these deals in the aftermarket, you know, has really changed the dynamic versus what we've seen over the last couple of years. So hopefully that answers the question that, you know, our expectation is that this pace is certainly going to continue.
0: It does indeed. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, Olympia, especially under extraordinary circumstances with your lack of power and all that. So thanks for taking the trouble to join us today.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: That's all for this week's Markets Update on Exchanges of Goldman Sachs. And in case you missed it, check out our other episode this week with Susie Schur of our Investment Banking Division as well on how companies are meeting their financing needs. Thanks for listening and hope everyone has a safe and healthy weekend. This podcast was recorded on Friday, August 7th in the year 2020. Thanks for listening.
2: All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording.